0: It is Wednesday, January 13th. You know what that means? Do
1: you? Do I? Yes, I do. It's Steve Sack Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I'm Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. We're here. We
0: we still have a country, we think. Um yes. We still have a radio station, and we still have Steve Sack Syndrome here to talk to you about the world of
1: sports and what it means to us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what it means to us is, yeah, a weird sense of normalcy. There was a college football championship. Yep. Um, there was gr- you know, great doubt that a season would even take place with mm-hmm. uh, many of the conferences saying that they just weren't committing to a season. But college football is a strong force, and they, they did have a season. Some some more games happened. than others, yeah. but uh, they did get to a college football playoff, and you did have – Two talented teams playing against each other uh, on primetime, which is all it's really about. So uh, we will talk about that a little later in the show. With yeah, we've the, got our invited guest.
0: Yeah, our friend Ed Southern is coming back um, to talk to us about that Alabama Ohio State game and the season that is college football. Um, also, uh, the NBA kind of has a season. Um, they might be, um, they might be staring at a, a two-week um, pause in their season. We're now finding out that maybe the, the bubble um, for in Orlando was the best way to sort of operate an NBA yeah. season. So we're not sure what's happening there. Because uh, it
1: first started with teams playing short, uh, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. 76ers, who were off to a great start. They were you know first place in the uh, Eastern Conference played a game with only seven players Yeah, uh, (laughs) involving one of the rookies scoring more than a rookie had ever scored because he was just the only one really in a position to score. Uh, And then they actually got now they're, they're postponing games um, Yeah, uh, two nights in a row. So it is not that that's a different thing, you know, when, you know, well, we'll, we'll put up the best team we can is a good strategy, but when you have to stop playing and they're really questioning the contact tracing where they're mm-hmm. like, well, we'll we'll pull the guy who was guarding the guy who was tested positive. Everyone else is like, uh, everyone on the court guards the player at some point. Yeah, you can't just you know take away the opposing guard and think that everyone else is going to be fine. So they're, they're really having to rethink it. It, it. You know, it's very complicated. It's very tricky. I'm sure they had thought that things would be better by now, as many many industries, many people did. But uh, here we are. Um, yeah. But to the NFL's credit. Um, while well, there was definitely uh, coaches and players missing from the first round of the playoff games. Uh, they did go off without a hitch, and uh, we are here to talk about it.
0: Yeah, so we've got, um, so they, they started calling it the Super Wild Card Weekend, which, you know, it feels like weird branding. Like, let's just throw the word super in front of it. Um,
1: <laughs> it, it reminds me, there's a campaign going on, around, extreme banking. Yes. And I was like, Really? <laughs> Extreme banking,
0: yes. Is there black lights inside <laughs> yes. when you're checking
1: ooh, out them? Yeah. yeah. I um, would,
0: I would but, do that bank, maybe. But yeah, um, I mean, they called it Super Wild Card Weekend because we had the expanded um, playoffs. So um, the number two seeds, including my favorite team, the Buffalo Bills, were actually playing instead of like in – Previous years where they would have had a bye so that m- meant we had six games of NFL playoffs this weekend uh three games apiece uh so that meant for a lot of football um and I, it was funny after I, I think before we get into sort of our our biggest takeaways it, it was mostly um mostly a, a pretty good r- round of playoff games i feel like that's what always happens with like nfl wild card weekend like the first week of playoffs like you have some games that are like oh that was great and some blowouts and then some that are like oh, that was actually kind of boring you know um and so uh i i actually really kind of like the divisional round the next round uh that's usually my favorite where there's four games but uh what were what were your sort of like Sort of global view at the Super Wildcard Weekend.
1: Yes, uh, for as I will say, okay, Sports Tube, please occupy my time <laughs> and take me away from worrying what will happen soon in our fine country. Yeah. Yes. It, it did more than fine with that. There were yeah. three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, as the spouses of sports fans were in disbelief. Wait all day saturday and sunday yep um so they did well with that it it, it, mm-hmm. it filled the tv at a, a, almost all times but yeah i did feel like there is a separating the wheat from the chaff is that the expression yes sure um where <laughs> I, I thought you're not going to was... be
0: cancelled yeah <laughs>
1: um uh, you're like yeah you know so watch the chicago bears play the new orleans saints you're like the bears don't don't belong in the playoffs like yeah this, I don't need to watch this. And I didn't. That was the one game that I sort of like, oh, okay, I can go out into the world and turn and face my loved ones kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, there was just a few things along the way that I was like, yeah, this this doesn't feel, like, uh, exceptional. This just feels like we were reminding ourselves of who are the teams that we should look forward to playing next week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Um, Bears, Saints, I had already kind of circled that of, like, this is where we can go walk the dog as a family, you know, um, like that'll be a, like a, like a good moment there. But there are a couple where it's like, obviously the Bills game, but then like Ravens Titans, I'm like, I would like to watch the Ravens Titans, please. Like that's, that's definitely will be reserved. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, um, Probably the best game of the weekend uh, involved my favorite team, the Buffalo Bills, uh, sort of narrowly uh, edging out the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Tom, were you able to watch that
1: one? I did watch that one. I I considered it homework, knowing that (laughs) we would talk about it. And yeah, I I was curious. And yeah, it, it was entertaining. And just a little bit, you know, so yes, the Buffalo Bills having won the AFC East for the first time in many years, mm. got to host a playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts, who came in as a wild card. Uh, and you know, we mentioned last week, the Colts are coached by Frank Reich, um, mm-hmm. an all-time Bills favorite um, with great playoff accomplishments. And I sort of feel like he should have gotten the game ball from the Bills because there was just a few coaching decisions along the way that you're like, hmm that didn't really pan out for you. Yeah. So I don't feel like the bills really beat the Colts. I feel like they yeah. survived the Colts. Um, yeah. Not that the bills didn't play well, yeah. but the Colts played well enough to win and at least well enough to score more points than they did. And they just didn't. And that, that, that was a little disappointing. Yeah. Not that I was rooting against the bills. You just want to see teams do well. And they just left a lot of, a lot of points out on the field.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it was a reminder, I think I said on the show last week, uh, when we were talking with Sarah Spooter, uh, that the AFC is just really good. Like yeah. the Colts are a seventh seed and like yeah, they were just they played just as well as the Bills. Um, they game planned against the Bills perfectly. They did that sort of uh, classic Parcells um Balachek versus the Rams, like take the air out of the ball against a high powered offense. Like, like keep them off the field. Like, get lots of first downs. Let the play clock go down to, like, one or zero every Several time. Several times. Yeah, and uh, run the ball. Short passing game. And, yeah, Philip Rivers played, I, I thought, an excellent game um, when there's a lot of, like, scoffing this year of, like, oh, Philip Rivers, what is he doing? Or it's like, look, he can execute that sort of Level of quarterback play game management very well, and yeah, the Bills defense. You know, we were just sort of pleading, like, just make a play, like, to get off on, on third down, they just couldn't do that. Um, you know, and it was because of Josh Allen and the Bills offense that we were able to do that. You know, there was an unfortunate ruling by the NFL, uh, that was a little bit like, huh, that seemed a little, little, um little circumstantial that like huh, maybe maybe this game could just go on a couple more plays instead of like okay that is a fumble so the game's over you know um, yeah
1: when you do have the you know whatever station was covering it uh, each station has like an in-house former ref Yeah. like what should we think of this call um, yeah. Dean Blandino or various yeah. <laughs> things um, and the guy was like Dean yeah Blandino. look slow it down he definitely gets back up that's a fumble um and then comes out nope call stands you're like oh okay
0: yeah Uh, i i think there's um there's been this thing i don't think the nfl would ever adopt it but like make make replay at not at a slow motion speed but you just play it again like at regular speed and um like, okay, what is what is the feeling there? And, like, even at regular speed, I was like, oh, look, he got up after not being yeah. touched. Like, it was kind of there. But, yeah, overall, like, there was a huge sigh of relief on my part. Um, maybe some tears shed in relief uh, after that. So the Bills were able to win their first postseason game since 1995 and uh, – we're on to the next round. Um, yeah, so that
1: was an image that uh, was shared. There was some, you know, about 6,000 fans in the stands. And for so the first was, time this year? Uh, there was a, you know, a, a grown man, um, mm-hmm. uh, our age or more, um, sort of weeping. Um, yeah. And there was the idea of, ha, ha, ha kind of like, look. Like, but you also don't know, like, maybe his dad never got to see a Bill's, you know, again, there's so many things that be going on for that guy, rather than just be like, look at that grown man crying over a football game. You just don't yeah, know and- what someone brings to a situation, particularly when there's 25 years of uh, history being carried forward.
0: Yeah. And that guy is on Twitter and he got retweeted because he was like, I got memed and he's like, that's okay. And he said, I was thinking about my grandfather who really yeah. wanted to see another victory of the, by the Buffalo bills. Ain't no shame and tears with that. That's okay. Um,
1: um, but, it, yeah. but yeah, but uh, out of that came, so yeah, the, the, uh, Colts were faced with it with a fourth and four, I mean, a fourth and mm-hmm. goal, um, maybe from about the four, uh, and decided to go for it instead of to just take the field goal. And you said, yeah, Phillip rivers, I uh, played well, although that's a pass. He just floated mm-hmm. just a little too far and a little too much, um, but just that like, huh, you know, well, I'm going to, if we talk about the Steelers game, kind of call them out for not going on a fourth and one. Um, but just one of those things of like, if, however you go, you just, you, you can't have it not work out in your favor or it ends up being the, the wrong call. Um,
0: yeah. But, um, well, I was going to say about that is like the Bills offense forces you into those decisions, right? Yeah. Um, like that was like, oh, that's a that was a break. The Bills got a break. And I was like, he doesn't make that decision unless we have a high-powered offense. Like he's pushing for points. He's going for two. He's going for it on a fourth and four where maybe in the regular season you kick the field goal. So at, at least like he erred on the side of, being aggressive as yes. opposed to the Steelers or the Titans had one of those as well, where you're yes. like, you guys are losing. Like, what are you doing? Um, maybe we should move on to those instances in the last right. few minutes.
1: Uh, very quickly. I also thought the bills caught a little bit of a break with mm. uh, one of the running backs getting hurt. Uh, Moss. Is that the Zach last name? Moss. Mm. Um, he wasn't very effective running out of the back. I mean, c- catching passes. Yes, but he was just sort of, he seemed very really small. Yeah, and just like um so when he got hurt they shifted over to uh single single terry terry who seemed a little stronger a little bit more willing to kind of take that first hit and sort of you know um break off a little bit more so that was one of those things of just um yeah that's that's the guy you needed to be you know running through the tackles not the kind of the tiny spry guy um so never like to see a player get hurt but uh it, you did see the running game become a little bit more confident when they shifted to uh
0: Singletary uh i probably push back but that's okay it's fine <laughs> um but it's uh Moss is out for the rest of the playoffs so um that it is concerning because he's especially good in pass blocking pass mm-hmm. protection uh which we need and he's better at Singletary than Singletary at that so uh, that is concerning um so yeah we'll have to go from there uh, yeah just a, a couple minutes left here
1: uh yeah, so uh, the Buccaneers ended up beating their uh, Washington football team in a game that was a little bit more entertaining than you than we had thought, thanks to a surprise quarterback. Uh yeah. Um, okay. um yeah, but the the game we'll jump to, which was the, the final game of the weekend, the Steelers hosting the Cleveland Browns, where the Cleveland Browns ended up scoring twenty eight points in the first quarter, which yeah. hadn't been done since the Oakland Raiders did so in 1969. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, again, just a reminder that, like, oh, yeah, the the Steelers weren't a particularly good football team in the last four or five games of the season. But, yeah, so they were behind, um, but putting together a decent comeback. They had kind of fourth and one um, at about the 50. There was still plenty of time left in the fourth quarter, but chose not to go for it, and it was just it just turned out to be like, Oh, that that's too bad. And I just feel like, well, if you can't trust in your, you know, offense, your hall of fame quarterback to get you one yard, um, that's unfortunate. And if you can't trust your defense, they go and just make sure that the worst thing that comes from that is a field goal, which they would still only be down by 14 at that point. Um, right. It just turned out to be huh, like, why not?
0: Um, yeah. So- yeah. And the, the Titans did that against the Ravens too. Like they were, uh, they were down fourth quarter playoff game, eight minutes left. You're uh, I think they were down by, I can't remember what it was four or something like that. And they had fourth and one from the Ravens 40. And I was like, again, like what, if you ask a Ravens fan, what do you want us to do here? They'd say, we'd like you to punt, please. You know, like, You go for that. It's a playoff game. Why are you being conservative? I I thought it was crazy, both of those instances.
1: Um, So I just want to put a a pin in that kind of 4th and one conversation when we do get to talk Mm -hmm. about uh, uh, Alabama and Nick Saban. But, you know, just with that, all right, if you decide to, uh, okay, we're going to punt there, then you have to make sure that you punt it within the 20. You You can't punt it into the end zone. So it yep. just made me think, you know, like whatever happened to, you know, like Ray Guy, like the punter, yep. who were like I will slice this punt and it'll go out at the seven yard line kind of thing every single time. I feel like that's sort of gone away and you needed that to happen there. Like, OK, we're going to punt it or we're going to kind of pin him and our defense great. Instead, you're like, oh, we didn't catch up to it. and It goes out the end zone and you're out at the 25 yard line now is where it goes to. Um, and you're like, well, then that was totally worthless what you just did. So <laughs> that, I was more frustrated with the special teams play than the decision. Yeah. Like, you can't not <laughs> pin them, at least within the 15, you know, like, and, and have some momentum. And you could just tell the Browns are like, cool, and then just put yeah. together a traditional drive that they had been practicing for many, many weeks, I'm sure.
0: Um, yeah, uh, and it. I've also noticed that announcers no longer say coffin corner anymore, yes. uh, which is exactly what Ray Guy was so good at. Thank you so, for
1: that was the phrase I was trying to think of coffin corner. That's a exactly coffin right. corner.
0: Nobody says it anymore. We maybe we should change the name of our show to coffin corner. I think so. We are back here on Steve sack syndrome. Uh, as we teased at the top, um, we're talking, we need to talk about the college football Championship game that happened on Monday night. And, you know, when I think about college sports, we think about a lot of people. We've brought on our old friend Tim Jackson, who uh, comes on occasionally to talk about Alabama, but we bring him on quite a bit. Uh, but there's another person that I think about the guy who buys a glossy magazine of college football every summer and puts down his William Faulkner and picks up his Anthlons college football preview. Uh, it's our old friend, Ed Southern. Welcome, Ed.
2: Uh, thank you, Scott. But to correct you, I buy multiple glossy <laughs> preseason college football magazines. It's not just Athlons. I get Street and Smiths. Whoops. I get
0: Lindy's. I get Phil Steele's. <laughs> That's that's tremendous. That someone is still buying those <laughs> magazines in the supermarket magazine aisle of the supermarket.
2: I think it's um, just me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're keeping them. in. This. I like
1: the idea that you come back from the beach all sunburned, and you're like, "There is no <laughs> <neutral> <laughs> ocean. I can only bring my magazines."
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I come back from the beach sunburned, except for like a you know what is it eight by eleven <laughs> <Yes>. rectangle <laughs> on, on my chest where I'm holding the
0: magazine. That's great. And we do want to talk about um, the championship game. We want to talk about the college football season, but the little crossover transition between the NFL playoffs that we were just talking about, Ed and I both went to Wake Forest. Uh, those of you listening and uh, Ed is more of a, uh, of a fan of Wake Forest sports than I am. I will say that <laughs> up front, but we Wake Forest had a starting quarterback in the NFL playoffs and uh, uh, John Wolford for the um, for the Los Angeles Rams um, the he he didn't last very long in that game so did you add turn tune in for that game to be like I can't wait to see Wake Forest in the big time
2: well I did but you know what I tuned in last week uh, the last game of the regular seat yeah his last game of the regular season um, to watch him in, in what was his first start yes um, which I think Other than last year's Super Bowl is the first NFL game that I have made a point of watching in two or three years now. Um, So, yeah, I did tune in for that and I tuned in for the playoff game. Yeah, you're right. He did not last long. But um, apparently, uh, according to reports, he was uh, back in the locker room uh, with his team, celebrating with his teammates. So I hope he's good to go for the next round. Um, This is a strange experience for me. Like, I feel like I'm stepping into the mainstream of American sporting life by following the NFL all of a sudden. (laughs) It's a it's a a weird experience for me.
0: Yeah, well, we saw Wolford play pretty well. Um. yeah um the last week of the regular season and a victory uh that secured a playoff spot for the rams but then he had a neck injury against the seahawks yes all reports is that he is doing okay i i don't imagine he will be playing next week is no that the plan the... is
1: that he will start oh he is um they just said it was a stinger you know to use that term yep. when your, your neck kind of gets you know uh, stuck <laughs> into your body uh rock'em sock'em robot style um but no, they were saying at this point the Rams believe that a healthy John uh, is gives them a better chance to win because of his mobility.
0: And we've actually seen two Wake Forest players start at quarterback this season. Kendall Hilton, A. Hinton, also started at quarterback for the Broncos this year, that was uh, less fortunate, uh, shall we say. Um, He was practicing. So let's transition over to college football, which is why we have Ed here. Uh, Before we talk about the playoff, um, the championship game last night. uh, So you buy all the glossy magazines, you read them all, digest them all. I mean, I'll just put it bluntly What were your feelings about actually having college football this year? Were you like, yay, I can't wait. I need this. I need some kind of like relief from the horror that is what's happening all around us. Or was it like, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe we shouldn't be doing this.
2: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, my, my feelings were mixed, um, and, and, uh, 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 seesawing in a way I, I was very moved by the, the, the hashtag we want to play movement, mm-hmm. uh, that was, that was started and led by the players, uh, late in the summer. Um, uh, notably, uh, one of the most uh, prominent spokesmen for it was um, Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And they, uh, I thought, uh, articulated a very cogent case for why they, they wanted to play the season, but they wanted to do it with uh, certain conditions in place mm-hmm. to, to try to ensure their safety as much as possible, which, yes, that's it's kind of ridiculous to talk about ensuring player safety in a sport like football, but here we are. Um, and and I felt like, you know, these are obviously very intelligent and thoughtful young men and we shouldn't discount their opinions on it. If they want to play, we should take that seriously. Um, at the same time, it really highlighted, um, the inequities of college football, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you can argue college sports in general, but, but especially college football, Um, when so many colleges and universities were, were bound and determined to play a season come what may, because they needed the TV money,
0: um,
2: TV money that the players are going to see none of. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really made the, the, it really brought into sharp relief, the, the contradictions and the hypocrisies of the sport as a fan, I was glad to see him out there. I mean, it was, it was a great entertainment. It was a great distraction from the, the seemingly endless suck of 2020. (laughs) Um, You know, and as long as it seemed like the player, you know, I I, I don't know, like I say, it was, it was uh, hard to reconcile. And, and I think, a lot of programs did seem to take it seriously, seem to take the players' desires seriously. Um, you know, the, the Alabama team that, that won the national championship last night spoke often of how it really, you know, they came together more strongly as a team because of this. Um, they also, many of them, not all, but many of them spoke out against the crowds of people in the bars on the strip on Tuscaloosa, in Tuscaloosa, Saying, you know, come on, y'all, <laughs> you know, we're 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 isolating ourselves in order to have a season. Can't y'all practice just a little social distancing? Sacrifice just a little bit. Yeah. Um, it really just, uh, in many ways, was an uncomfortable season. But uh, you know, at, at the risk of of my own hypocrisy, I sure enough, watched. Mm-hmm. So,
1: indeed, and the college football playoff. Where there being, you know, the final four, and then finally the big game, which people are sort of balking at. Wow, it seems to kind of be the same three or four teams over and over again, because those are the teams with all the money who can get all the top players who get to the college football playoff and use that to recruit all the top players and get all the money. You know, um, so yeah, Alabama is in a position to have the money to test every other day or daily when necessary and shuttle buses and yeah. you know hotels and all that stuff whereas you know we talked about this way back when uh, you know alabama's like oh we're gonna play and then UConn was like oh our, no no season because yukon yeah. uh again maybe the women's basketball program might have the money <laughs> to do some of that um you know self-care yeah. But, yeah, the UConn football team was like, are you kidding? No, we don't, we don't have any of the money to do the the testing kits and all the protocols that are necessary to guarantee it. So mm-hmm. even the season was sort of represented in the college football playoff. And you mentioned the uh, let us play. Uh, the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, was also a big proponent of that, particularly yeah. when um, his conference had said, sorry, we're, we're, we, we choose not to play. And yeah. he really led the like, no, no, no. Hey everybody! Tell our conference they should let us play. And so, to yeah. his credit, he got to he got to the game. He dreamed that he would get to play. Um, he wasn't able to win it, but uh, uh, it, it was interesting. But yeah, just the football playoff itself reminds you. It sure is nice to be at the top.
2: It, yeah, it no, it is, and I, I think you know there there's uh, uh, a perhaps strained analogy that can be drawn between the uh, economy of college football and, and the economy of the nation right now, where um, if you are at the top, it, it it's very, very hard to unseat you from the top. And it's very hard for anyone else to, to get to the top. Um, now I will say, you know uh, another team that's all always seems to be in the playoffs is Clemson mm-hmm. lately. And, and that's a fairly recent phenomenon where they're, a perennial national power. That's only in the last, you know, within the last decade uh, that Dabo Sweeney came along and and you know turned Clemson from you know a, a proud program, but one that hadn't been a national power since really the mid '80s, and and turned them into really you know in many ways the only rival, the only the only constant rival to Alabama uh, at the top of the sport. So. You know, and yeah, and again, it was a way in which this past season sort of highlighted divisions that were already there in which a lot of programs, a lot of football programs, a lot of schools lost money on football. Yeah. And it was a, a real struggle for them to keep up with the expenditures required for the game. This past year, this past season uh, only made that worse, yeah. only made that more stark. Um yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a lot to reckon with if, if you're a, a college football fan, a lot that's uncomfortable. To me, most of that, maybe not all, but most of it could be solved if you just the, paid the players. Yeah. Well, the other
0: weird thing, though, is like talking about the University of Alabama being like one of the high sort of moneyed schools when, you know, sort of Alabama as a state is probably one of the least resourced states in in the country and so you know there's a lot of money being spent for you know players at a state university to play football well whereas you're probably if you're talking to most of the people residents in Alabama they're like oh yeah please spend our resources on making sure that our players that the players can play football
2: yeah but you know and um I, I guess this is as good an opportunity as any to talk about. You know, I've got a book coming out this fall called yeah. "Plug uh, um, It." I, I'll, I'll plug away. Uh, I've got a book coming out this fall called "Fight Songs: uh, A Story of Love and Sports in a Complicated South." And it's you know the reason y'all have me on here talking about this is because um, I went and, and fell in love with and married an Alabama fan, a Birmingham native. Um, we we actually met during Nick Saban's first season. And so I, I got, you know, dragged along uh, as, as the Crimson Tide became the Crimson Tide again and, and Alabama became Alabama again. And, and uh, it's been fascinating to watch that. Um, one of the, the the statistics I cite in the book, though, is, is talking about what economists have dubbed the Saban effect. Mm. That since Nick Saban arrived at Alabama, you know, he has boosted. he. The, the, the Alabama football program has has put so much money, not just for the University of Alabama, not just for the city of Tuscaloosa, but for the entire state of Alabama. Yeah. He has boosted that economy Wow, just by having a winning football, you know, a, pro- a program that wins football games at this level. Um, I mean, we're talking uh, mi- millions upon millions of dollars uh, impact. That, that a winning football program has. Um,
1: there is the discussion. So I believe he makes $10 million a year as, as coach. I believe with,
2: I, I you know, I, at some point I stopped keeping up with it. Yes. But I, yes, I believe with performance bonuses and incentives, yes, it's somewhere around $10 million so a year. That was a conversation
1: and, last night where they were like, and he is underpaid for, yes. for the, and, for the and, economic and impact. Yes. The area yeah. and the state, he is underpaid.
2: Yes, economists argue and, and have been arguing for a long time that in terms of economic impact, he is mm-hmm. underpaid.
1: Amazing,
0: amazing. Well, let's take a break um, and we'll come back and actually talk about
1: uh, the championship game. Tom, Great. what are to listen Ed, remind us of the, the name of your book one more time.
2: The name of the book is Fight Songs, uh, Love and, A Story of Love and Sports in a Complicated South. It is due out in September. So right now, it just exists as a title and a pub date, but it will be out in in nine months, as a matter of fact.
0: We are back here on Steve Sack Syndrome. We are talking college football with Ed Southern, but we're finally here to talk about the playoffs and the championship game that happened uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, So before we get to the championship game, uh, we know, Ed, that you have... Uh, family allegiances uh, to Alabama because of your <laughs> w- lovely wife Jamie uh, but also you are Clemson adjacent you you lived some time in Greenville you have many friends who are Clemson fans I don't know if you would describe yourself as a Clemson fan uh, no, no. Um, you're a Wake Forest fan but um, so it uh, my feeling was like Ohio state beating Clemson. That was Ohio state's championship. Like for them to beat Clemson, <laughs> that's a really yeah. big thing. And then kind of like to just get to the championship game was gravy. Um, so what was the feeling in your household of like, Oh, we get to play Ohio state and not Clemson. Was it uh sheer delight or, um, Captivating joy.
2: <laughs> it it was um, again. It was it was sort of mixed feelings. Um, okay. We we were very impressed by what Ohio State did to Clemson in, in the first round of the play in the semifinals because that I mean Clemson is a, a, an excellent team and, and Ohio State just beat them down uh, mercilessly uh, and so there was a little uh, trepidation like wow you know Ohio State's a lot better than we thought um, that th- this is going to be a challenge. Um, on the other hand, uh, Jamie was really hoping that Alabama was going to get another shot at Clemson after you know the last time they met was the the 2009 yeah it was in 2019 uh, in in the national championship game when Clemson uh, gave Alabama the, the, the worst defeat they have suffered in the Nick in the Nick Saban era, and so she she really wanted to get some back against Clemson. Uh, this season Um, you know she's not complaining don't get me wrong (laughs) Um, and I know Ohio State badly wanted to get revenge you know Clemson uh, came from behind in a a, one of the best football games I've seen in a long time Uh, Clemson's come from behind victory over Ohio State in last year's semifinals Mm. Um, so I know Ohio Ohio State you know wanted to get that back against the Tigers but uh, yeah Jane, Jane was hoping for a rematch uh, so
0: set the stage for us like are you guys all wearing Clemson, uh, Cle- uh, the, the crimson tied red are you wearing hats what's the setup are you eating specific things like how how deep does this run in terms of the fandom like do you have a place on the couch she has a place on the chair or is she just on her feet the entire time like let us know how this all works
2: she um And I I don't, you know, I I don't remember when exactly she reached this conclusion, made this decision, but at some point she felt like Alabama seemed to play better when she was not wearing Mm. any of her Crimson Tide gear, Mm -hmm. anything, you know. And so she tries just to dress normally, you know, for the game. Um, She has also... Taken up like like she tries really hard to find something to do with her hands, whether it's you know filing her nails or you know just something to do so that she's not because um, when Clemson beat Alabama in in the the national championship game, um, frankly she terrified our daughter (laughs) uh, who was two at the time and. Sees her mother, who is normally a very reserved, very self-contained, self-controlled uh, person, fleeing herself on the floor, <laughs> and onto her knees, uh, when Tua threw that that interception um, on on Alabama's first possession. You know, and, and so she's tried to kind of dial that back a little bit for the sake of the child. Um, we do, you know, so we don't have like like we're not, uh, you know festooned in crimson and hounds to the way you might expect mm-hmm. it, it, but it is a very you know it it's a it's a, a, a uh our, our our living room becomes pretty intense <laughs> during alabama games put it that way
0: uh, so we don't have to do a big recap i think it's easy to say that I- I mean, I felt like Alabama was the the better team as soon as I started watching the game, um, and um, I know that Ohio State certainly sort of played well. I, I think in the first quarter and most of the second quarter, but then at some point it was like, oh, like this is. Um, I can see where this is going, Tom. What was your sort of feeling going into the game and watching the game? Were you like? Yeah, this is this is Alabama's a uh, game. Uh,
1: certainly, uh, the overall idea is that Nick Saban has found an approach which considers everything. Mm. Um, so, uh, you, you lose a player to injury; he's got a, another good one ready to go. Just you know, off the, you know, so the the defensive uh, side of the ball this year was not as great as they have been um, in some previous years. So, you then make sure that the offense just pretty much scores every time they touch the ball. So, that was, I was just reminded of like, he just has, he just really looking at things going like, I've considered everything. I, I am not vulnerable anywhere. Um, <laughs> s- still, it, you know, they were answering touchdowns in the first uh, quarter and uh, hunting him, but you just can't make any mistakes. And uh, not a big thing, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Twenty-eight seventeen with about you know three minutes and forty seconds left in the first half, and uh, Ohio State g- gets the ball kind of thing, and I was like, points would be nice, but you don't want to give Alabama back the ball. Like these are the things you have to consider, you know. And I know that Nick Saban would, but Ohio State sort of tries to you know uh, get something going, and because uh, you know it just doesn't happen, so they have some incomplete passes. So not only did they not get a first down, but they didn't take up much time. And sure enough, Alabama gets the ball back. And now it's 35-17. And there's just this sense of, ugh, this game's over already by, the, by halftime. So those small yeah. things of, like, you have to know who you're playing. It is Alabama. They are most likely going to score every time they touch the ball. So there has to be some times of, like, we just need to sort of occupy some time on the field. If we could get three points out of this last three minutes and 40 seconds, great. But that's not as important as do not give them back the ball. So just do a couple, you know, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of plays kind of thing. And just, eat you know, uh, and of course, me yelling that at the TV, being like, you <laughs> can't give them back the ball. And I was like, what did you just do? There you go. And of course, gorgeous, you know, Devontae Smith cutting across in some great deception pattern kind of thing. And it, it just looked easy. And they, they almost scored again um, yeah. you know, later on. So just that, that small thing of, um, which is what I, we talked about, Clemson learned that the first time that they lost to um, Alabama, it was like on a special teams play and a and a, and a late touchdown. And they learned the following year, you, you you can't make any mistakes to a Nick Saban team because he is ready to just roll at any time so that that's what I I thought and then uh yeah you know some unfortunate injuries you hate to see like like the star running back for the Ohio State player get injured on the first play break his collarbone uh, yeah. I don't know that that would have changed the game there was just some unfortunate like oh that's tough to see even Devonte Smith who's had like his half was better than most uh, games oh that anybody has ever played, but to him, yeah. so there was some unfortunate injuries, but just that is you have to understand you are playing Alabama every down, every succession of plays is important, even if they don't result in points.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and um, I mean that that's one of the things that that as kind of a fan you know is uh, I, I really admire about Nick Saban is that thoroughness that that level of preparation that he brings to every game and um I, I you know in retrospect it, because I had a rooting interest at the moment I didn't would never have allowed myself to feel like okay this is the turning point in the game right. but in retrospect yeah I think that you know when when Ohio State Gave the ball back to Alabama with yeah it was it was almost exactly three minutes mm-hmm. I think it was like three oh two yeah in, in the second quarter I thought yeah looking back on it yeah that that I think is when the game was decided
0: and um, you know for me who um, who doesn't watch that much college football I haven't really um, been able to see Devontae Smith play outside of highlights all year and there are some years where you know the Heisman trophy is awarded and then the Heisman Trophy winner isn't playing in sort of like one of the major bowl games or college football playoffs or the championship game and or sometimes it's like really that's the Heisman Trophy winner (laughs) you know and so for me to be able to watch this and I was like oh he is the best player on this field uh, in a in a game filled with future NFL players and he is, as you said, Tom, um, I mean, he had – wait, I, I had this written down. In a half, 215 yards, 12 receptions, and three touchdowns in one half alone. It was incredible. And, and so, like, it was a, a, a star-making performance for him.
1: Indeed, yeah. I wrote a little note while I was watching. How nice to be the MVP when you were just named the MVP. I mean, yeah. I know the high a little bit, but just that, yeah, exactly what you said. So often, you, you, you know, like I know uh, coaches hate getting named coach of the year in the NBA and then have to go and do a playoff game. <laughs> I'm right. like, don't do that. I do not <laughs> want that hanging over me. Yeah. Um, right. So because of that pressure. But yeah, he so showed up and, and yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, you just, he, just gliding. He's gliding across the field at times.
2: It, 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 if you love sports if you if you love athletic achievement you you would love watching Devonte Smith mm-hmm. I mean he's just uh, it, it's extraordinary to see a human being do some of the things that he does and then you find out that that by the measurements he, he usually hasn't been the fastest receiver for Alabama uh-huh. the last few years and that, that's just insane to think about
0: yeah that's what I was kind of thinking is like oh wait he's a senior right. He caught that huge pass from Tua. He's been playing in an offense with Jerry Judy and Henry Rugg. It's just insane, the talent that Alabama has every single year. I I know, Ed, that you like reading Roger Sherman with the ringer. He had a great piece today about Alabama, and he was talking about how Nick Saban was uh, lamenting the sort of high-octane offense, and now Saban, he said, this is Roger Sherman's quote, Saban now coaches the highest octane offense of them all.
2: Yeah. I, I love a line that he had later in the piece where he said, you know, when, when Saban asked him, I think it was 2012, you know, is this what we want college football to be? Right. And at the time it seemed like a plea turned out it was a warning. Yes. Like, are you, are you sure you want me to do this? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, and, and, um, and again, I think, you know, that, that speaks so well to him that a man you know, in his 60s, who already had a handful of national championships and was already considered the best coach in the business, completely changed his approach to the game. You know, saw that this was how uh, the direction of the game was moving in and, and completely and adapted to it. Yeah, um, I, it's It's really a, a remarkable achievement.
1: And to that point that he sort of considered everything, he did seem less anxious on the mm. sidelines. Uh, and they commented he did not have an opportunity to to uh, throw his headphones to the ground once during this whole game. Uh, because he doesn't have to. Because he's like, yeah, I I should not be having to sort of figure things out on the fly. I have made all my decisions prior to this game, and everything is mostly playing out as I imagined. So he just sort of gets to watch what he's created, which was incredible and very entertaining. Yeah. I, I'm not rooting for Alabama. I'm just hoping for, wow, that was a great play. And I probably said, wow, that was a great play. Thanks to both teams about seven or eight times last night.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, Hey Ed, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the book um, coming out in the fall and we'll definitely have you on again Uh, to talk about that.
2: Can't wait, y'all. Thanks very much. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks Thanks so much, Ed. Ed.
0: We are back on Steve Sack Syndrome. Our thanks to Ed Southern. Uh, We can't wait to have him back on in the fall talking about his new book, Fight Songs. Uh, So you'll be hearing more about that. We've got a couple of minutes left. We wanted to talk about evolutions of the game, both on and off the field. I wanted just to Quick point out mine, which is that Nickelodeon was covering the Bears Saints game. Um, so they were able to do CGI slime cannons every time a team got into the end zone, which they were calling the Slime Zone. Look it up, it's really fun. Also, I caught some of these quotes from Nate Burleson, who was um, the color commentator, and he was like trying to talk about football to uh, sort of preteen audience and he was saying that like moving down the field is like homework and the red zone is the test I really like that and he said he talked about Mitch Trubisky the um, Bears quarterback and he said getting benched is a bit like getting grounded because your parents want you to do a better job
1: that's awesome yeah it was visually interesting and uh yeah anytime you kind of you know, elbow the person in the house who doesn't really care about football. but like, look, something you might like. Um, but yeah, it was a, <laughs> all of the green spray all over the end zone on a touchdown. And my wife's like, oh, cool. And back to my book, yeah.
0: Yeah, but kudos to the NFL for trying something yeah. different. Like, we'll see what other
1: channels cover the
0: NFL in the future. That might be kind of fun.
1: Uh, that was much more fun, but there was something that I saw in the college football championship last night. I'm sure it's uh, not the first time they did it, but there is this thing where you sort of uh, get up to the line, the defense is in their permission, the offense is their permission, and they do this kind of quick clap fake snap, mm-hmm. and they sort of see how the defense reacts, whether they were going to blitz or otherwise, mm-hmm. but they don't snap the ball, and then they just basically turn and look to the sidelines like, okay, so what do we do now that we know <laughs> yeah. what their plan is? What do we do? Um, yeah. And then the uh, so, but they were uh, so. Ohio State was using that a lot. Ohio, Alabama did a little bit, but it was a major ploy of Ohio State to be like, hey, hey, hey. okay, no, uh, at about seventeen <laughs> seconds, and they turn and sort of, okay, what do we do?
0: Um, I wish we could get your. Fake face, like Uh, the the way you're acting it out is really fun. I wish the listeners at home could be seeing this. Um,
1: It's just one of things like I didn't know that was possible. I remember we talked about this a couple years back. This is when uh, Chip Kelly was coaching. He was Mm -hmm. at Oregon at the time, and then uh, coached the Philadelphia Eagles for a little bit, and then has returned to college at UCLA. He was doing a thing. So his big thing is uh, you know diet and like hey we're we're gonna tire this other team out, Um, but Uh, Rather than kind of going very far back to have your huddle and then break and then sort of like walk up eight, ten yards, he would do it sort of just off the ball. So they would kind of do their huddle right there and then they break and immediately get into formation. Um, And then the other team was like, Whoa, Hey, ah, and saying, I just think, like, I didn't know you could do that. It was like, well, there's no rule as to where you have to have the huddle. You know?
0: And I think he started the thing where they would like, hold up the signs on the sidelines um, with like icons that sure. meant like certain place, but you would see like Yosemite, Sam or something like that. Like and Scott that Van Pelt, means, to, Yeah, yes, exactly. And that means something to the offense. Which um, is very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Um,
1: Great, and then uh, so yeah, f- football continues to be the the, the main entree. Um, you, we look ahead to this next week. So, oh, I did think that uh, the, the Bills uh, got a little unlucky. I think it, they would have hmm. been nice if what we thought was going to happen, which is the Cleveland Browns did not have their coach because of COVID and some of the coaches and just literally guys who had never played in a game or like yeah. starting in a playoff game, but. All credit to the Browns, but it would have been good if for some reason the Browns just sort of gave way to the chaos of the quarantine week that they had. Uh, and then the Steelers sort of eked out a victory because I do think the Bills would have been uh, in a place to be much better than the Steelers, which they showed a few weeks back. But now instead, the, because of the Browns winning, they now get to still host a game, but they play the Baltimore Ravens, which yeah. is just a, a very unpredictable team right now. They, yeah. they are definitely a surging team.
0: Yeah, they're very good. Uh, yeah, definitely wanted to play the Steelers. There's no doubt about that. Um, have to say though that didn't want to play Derrick Henry. Like I'm glad Understood. that that's not happening. You know, yes, La- Lamar Jackson is no walk in the park. Um, but we actually played the Ravens last year and actually played them really well. Our just our offense didn't, you know, wasn't in the position that it is this year. So um, yeah, I'm. Um, th- The AFC is really good, Uh, but I was really hoping to play the Steelers, but we'll
1: see. I feel the same way with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. I feel like if they faced either the other two teams, if they ended up playing the Rams, I think they would feel good about that game. Mm -hmm. If They ended up even playing the Packers. I think they Mm -hmm. would feel good about that game, but they have to once again play the New Orleans Saints who have twice this season beaten them soundly. I mean, just really sort of stolen their soul (laughs) on the field. Um, always tricky to beat a team three times in the same season. They are definitely a different team now that they have meshed along the way. Yep. But of, of all the pairings, they're like, really? New yeah. Orleans again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, have to go to the Superdome. Uh, so we do want to say goodbye to a pretty significant figure in sports, uh, who left us this week.
1: We do. Uh, so, uh, Tommy Lasorda, longtime manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, passed away this week. I know he had been uh, dealing with health issues and was recently released, which was good news, but sadly um, uh, he um, lost his battle with, with some of his health issues. And we do hope to talk about that more next week. Um, uh, He's quite the character. Um, So we'd like to uh, talk about him more next week.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.